COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Pandemic is not a word to use lightly. If people want to wear a mask, uh, that is okay. It protects others more than it protects you because it prevents you from breathing or, or, or speaking uh, moistly on them. We can all agree mental health care is health care. It is health care. Welcome to another episode of The Happiness Project. My name is Mike. I'm your host. I talk about mental illness like it's a normal thing. We do this for every episode in the hopes that you'll be inspired to talk about your mental wellness and your mental illness like it's any other condition. That's our goal here at The Happiness Project. Some straight talk about mental illness just like everything else. Let's normalize it and let's make sure that it doesn't become a thing. For this episode, I wanted to focus on, uh, how do you, you know, hesitate to say this, the pandemic. We all lived through it. We all had our own experiences. For some of us, it was horrible, especially with mental illness. Some of the things that you go through on a day-to-day -day life were made much, much worse during the pandemic. You may have heard the stories in the news not too long ago about the unintended consequences of the pandemic on people's mental health. You know, all those times spent with little human contact. And, you know, for some of us, we're used to it. After all, you don't have to live with a mental illness to be affected by years of social isolation. Not to mention, you know, the divisions that were made worse by health policies. We'll get into that in a minute. And I want to assure you, I'm not taking sides here. I'm just pointing out that these policies were not universally accepted and the politics around them only made the divisions in society worse, which affected a lot of people's mental health. You've, you know, I, I'm trying to pull out examples and, you know, you've likely read some of the speculation over the past year over people's state of mind following the years of social isolation and the other impacts of the pandemic. The best example I could come up with was Vladimir Putin, the leader of Russia. I've read a lot of articles about, you know, his stringent health measures during the COVID crisis. And, you know, you've likely seen those comical images of his meetings where anyone around him is, you know, halfway across a room and seated at, you know, this impossibly large and long table. You know, it, it maybe would be funnier if it wasn't for the completely unnecessary and horribly tragic loss of life going on in Ukraine. Now, I remember at the beginning of all this that I joked with my wife that, you know, these lockdowns, it was, this was a crisis I was born to handle. This was my moment, I told her. I mean, of course I was joking. You know, people who suffer from depression and mental illness are, I'm guessing, better able to handle the quiet moments strictly based on their own experiences. But after the, you know, this prolonged isolation, the divisions in society, the, um, you know, people, some people were ostracized, you know, and this went on for, you know, the better part of three years. I'd be curious to know what your mental health experiences were during the pandemic, because I'll say quite honestly, I'm going to mention someone's story in a minute. Someone who was nice enough to reach out to me. His name is Sean. We'll get into his story in a minute. 
but I'd like to hear your story. You can contact me at happinessprojectottawa at gmail.com. Happinessprojectottawa, that's one word, at gmail.com. You can only, you know, you don't even have to identify yourself. You can use your first name. Um, I did reach out on uh, Twitter and I managed to get a couple of responses from people who follow Sick Not Weak. That's an organization started by Canadian broadcaster Michael Landsberg. And it's a community of people who either live with mental illness or are supporting people with a mental illness. And I got a couple of interesting responses back and I'll, I'll read one. This is from Tracy on Twitter. She said, my son left to work out of town at a hotel that took in homeless people. He was to be there for two weeks, but the lockdowns kept being extended. He was there for eight months as there were no vaccinations and I wasn't sure he would come home alive. And this is another response I got from someone on Twitter. Uh, I later found out his name was Sean. He was nice enough to contact me, and I'm going to share his story in a minute. But this is initially what he told me. He said, my anxiety and depression got worse, being isolated from my friends and family. I am an artist. My art went from being bright and colorful paintings to written, scattered thoughts and emotional scribbles. I lost inspiration, and I went from painting daily to being unable to finish a piece at all. That's just scratching the surface of the impact the pandemic closures and restrictions had on my mental health. Trying to sum it up in a short form with limited characters doesn't allow for the full scope. Those were a, a couple of tastes of what people had mentioned to me. And I'll tell you, my years over the pandemic were surprisingly peaceful. My employer did not compel us to return to work until late 2022. I work for the government of Canada, I should mention. I'm also a mental health public speaker with the Federal Speakers Bureau in the Government of Canada. And I've, I've mentioned that before, I just thought I'd add that in. You know, at the, at the very least for me, it was okay not to have to worry about my health. If I was, you know, in, if I had to go to work in my workplace, I would be taking a bus and then a light rail train and then another bus. So that's exposure to a lot of people for me and I am in the high risk category. I remember in the early days of the uh, lockdown, you know, someone was passing around this inspirational message on Facebook that essentially said, we're going to come out of this stronger and more grateful and thankful for those we love. You know, I found that really moving at the time because everyone was scared and we didn't know what to do and people were dying. But then the fear wore off, the division set in, the health policies divided people, you know, I saw families coming apart because not only, like I talk a lot about isolation, but not only is it isolation that factored into things, there's also the added stress of being in close proximity to people in your house with no escape for days on end. And I'm trying not to be too cynical about that because that's a thing. People are used to the routine. Some people are used to going to work. People are used to having time to themselves. And, you know, when you don't have these elements of your everyday life, it affects your mental health. So as I said, families coming apart, friendships coming apart, our arguments over how we're going to live in a new reality. I mean, I've mentioned, you know, I record this podcast in Ottawa and you will know that there was a protest over government policies, which devolved into an occupation of the downtown with accusations of people being harassed in their homes in various neighborhoods. Some people here in Ottawa claim they have PTSD, post-traumatic 
stress disorder over, you know, these trucks prowling through their neighborhoods, honking their horns through the night. I'm not here to talk about the health policy mandates, though. You know, if people are claiming PTSD, it's a sign that things were out of control over the course of the last three years. And at some point, we need to talk about it. So I want to start with Sean's story. Sean is an artist in British Columbia, Canada that reached out to me via Twitter. This is through the Sick Not Week um, group. Uh, a lot of people follow Sick Not Week on Twitter. I would suggest you do if you are interested in mental health. It's a great follow. Uh, so I connected with Sean and we traded a couple messages and he kind of let me know that he had a tough time in the pandemic. And the reason I wanted to hear his story and I wanted to hear other people's story was, as I've just mentioned to you, my experiences during the pandemic weren't all that hard. I thought of it almost solely in terms of isolation. And it was when people reached out to me and said, no, no, wait a minute. It wasn't just isolation. It was being in close proximity to people. It's the, you know, maybe the low lying um, personality challenges that you have with loved ones that become exacerbated when you're in close proximity to each other all the time. Maybe it's, you know, divisions over health policies, you name it, politics. So I wanted to keep it simple with Sean. So I asked him three questions. I said, how was your mental health before the pandemic? How did the pandemic change your mental health in life? And how did you fight through it? And this is what Sean said. This is from, this is his answer to question number one. What was his life like before the pandemic? This is what he said. And I'm going to read his responses word for word because this is his story. It's not mine. I offered to do an interview with him, but he wanted to write it down. He wanted to get his story right. He said, my entire life, I've struggled with my mental health, depression and anxiety mostly. Panic attacks that were crippling, depression that nearly ended my life. I'm 36 years old now, but when I was 19, I attempted suicide and I barely survived. I'm leading with that history because in order to understand my health, it's a way to, to understand my health prior to the pandemic. There was a word missing in his response, but anyway. In 2007, I started painting and using it as a form of expression for my emotions, like art therapy. Then around 2017, I started making major progress in my life. My artwork caught the attention of a music festival owner who then hired me as the visual art coordinator for the festival. Then in 2019, I was starting to get small jobs making props for film. I was truly finding my happiness and feeling pride in myself. My mental health had improved drastically in the years leading up to 2020. I loved who I was for the first time. So here's his answer to number two. How did the pandemic change your mental health in your life? This is what Sean wrote. When the pandemic came, the first things to be shut down were live events and gatherings. So I lost my ability to make money selling or displaying my art in any venue or live events as a vendor. Since there was no work to be done at the festival, 
as it was shut down. I was out of work as an artist and a festival employee. When we were told not to see friends or family, it became very isolating. Being cut off from all the people who made me feel happy and restored my sense of belonging and self-worth. No physical touch, no social life, no family outside of the household. Everything enjoyable was deemed non-essential and it was closed. Every day, it was non-stop reports of death tolls on the news, on social media. Everywhere you looked, it was fear-inducing information. Trying to stay in touch with people online wasn't the same. I couldn't speak my mind on social media. Certain phrases or words would result in suspension from platforms. Slowly, my depression got worse. My anxiety got worse. My ability to be creative went away. I lost my imagination. I used to paint colorful, bold, bright paintings with contrast and detail, and that, sh and that shifted into being unable to complete a piece. My ideas went from bright and beautiful to thoughts and emotions and written word to scattered thoughts and fragmented ideas. Statements pointing out the irrational response, observations about the way people were being treated, and policies excluding people from public, and the loss of things that were essential to mental and emotional health and well-being. I chose not to get vaccinated, which ended friendships with people who hated me for my decision. I was insulted and degraded by people, including the Prime Minister, who labeled unvaccinated people a health risk and blamed them for lockdowns. I was banned from seeing my aunt before she died, then banned from attending her funeral. I will never be able to get that time with her or get to say goodbye to her because of a policy based on a belief that my presence was a health hazard, even though I didn't have COVID. My life was destroyed by things I was told were protective measures, not by the virus itself. That's Sean's answer to number two. How did the pandemic change your life and affect your mental health? And I do just want to stress, as I, before I read his third response, that I'm not here to talk about health policies. I greatly respect Sean for speaking his truth. I know that there's probably some people out there that will disagree because the issue of vaccination, the issue of health and protective measures is one that we will never be able to solve. I'm hoping that you can, if you disagree with them, you can at least value his humanity and value his story and value that he has an opinion based on what is his own truth. That being said, I asked him, how did you fight through it? This is what he wrote. I fought through it the same way I fought through everything else that could have killed me in the past. The things I felt were the result of something out of my control. I have the power to control my response or reactions. My feelings come from inside, so I looked inward. I relied on my own perspective of the world around me, which I couldn't have done without decades of living with mental health struggles. It allowed me to understand what it's like to survive in a world where I can't physically see or touch the things that cause me fear, cause me anxiety. I know what it's like to live in a prolonged stretch of fight or flight, which is exactly what happened to the world around me. How I overcame that is by studying things. I gathered as much information as possible before making my decisions. 
I got informed about, from multiple sources and found weaknesses in the plan. I found my voice again, and I didn't give a fuck what people thought of me. I let people walk away when they chose to despise me for being unvaccinated. I stood up for myself when people attacked my character. I allowed myself to be okay with losing everything material because I could get that back, but I couldn't forgive myself if I lost who I was. I treated it like a painting. I did my own thing unapologetically. I reminded myself that I'd been through worse before and I wasn't going to allow politicians who don't even know my name to tell me that a mindless virus that can't float upwind in a breeze was a justifiable reason to take away all the healing I had done on my own. I put my scattered thoughts on canvas and just allowed myself to be okay with a finished piece being a half-filled canvas or paper that's comprised of unfinished thoughts or scribbled drawings that make no sense because that was where my emotional mindset was at the time. Then I forgave people who judged me from a place of fear because I know what it's like to be in that headspace. If I could only forgive my if I could only forgive myself, they deserved it too. I'd like to thank Sean from British Columbia for reaching out to me with that story. I have a lot of thoughts about what he had to say and the thoughts that I have have nothing to do with health policies or debates or things like that. I really love some of the coping strategies that he talked about in that. And I'm hoping that you could see the value in some of the coping strategies he talked about. And that's all for this episode of The Happiness Project. I'd like to once again thank Sean and those who reached out to me on Twitter with their stories. And I'd like to remind you that if you know someone who is in distress or if it's you who is in distress, to please seek out the help of the professionals in your community. There are distress center lines. In some provinces, there is a 311 number where you can begin your search. There are services in your community. Some are free, some will cost money. So seek out those services. If not for yourself, seek them out for someone that you love. And that's all the time for this episode of The Happiness Project. My name is Mike. I'd like to thank everyone who reached out to me once again. And I'd also like to hear from you. You can reach us on Facebook, our Facebook page. Just go onto Facebook and type in Happiness Project Ottawa. You'll find our Facebook page that has links to our website. And it also links to my email address, which is happinessprojectottawa at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll talk to you again. God bless.